<laughs> uh, welcome to our podcast. This is Tea Time with the Psychos. Our vision for this podcast is to highlight mental health issues and topics while fucking shit up and enjoying tea. I am Caitlin Keneally, a psychotherapist and licensed professional counselor by the state of Wisconsin. And I'm Elizabeth Nelson, just a psycho in training and a mental health advocate. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining, joining us. <laughs> Welcome to our first podcast episode ever. Yes. Yes, we are going to be talking about anxiety today. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when we, when we even say anxiety? A sweaty ass armpits. <laughs> <laughs> that right, is it. Fair enough. So, all right, my first thing is definitely not sweaty ass armpits, okay. but um, I thought we'd kind of start off with a little bit of what is the definition of anxiety, okay? Yeah. Now, when you do a search and all that fun stuff, you get multiple levels of anxiety, but I think that that's also kind of a good thing, too, because there are different levels of anxiety, right? Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, just a few things that I thought worked uh, really well with what I think we're going to kind of focus on today when talking about anxiety um, is more of those intense, excessive, and persistent worry um, and fear about everyday situations. How do you feel about that definition? I feel good, except for I go back to, you know, leaving the cats one time and I cried for multiple minutes on end. Um, so, I'm not sure if that was anxiety. Or separation anxiety, which is a one-time thing. Who knows? But yes, I like that one. Okay. Another one that I thought was kind of a good way to go about it um, is anxiety is the mind and body's reaction to stressful, dangerous, or unfamiliar situations. I thought that was a decent definition. Yeah. Um, And then it's an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, um, and physical changes, which we'll get to a little bit later, and I really want us to kind of hone in on because I feel like uh, that one kind of gets missed a lot. Yeah. Although you kind of hit it on the head right away with excessive sweating Sweating, yeah Yeah. um you know the reality is a certain level of anxiety is healthy right right so like you should feel a certain level of anxiety potentially when you're about to take a test that maybe you haven't studied for right yeah um but i think we're not necessarily talking about the good pieces of anxiety i think we're focusing on those intense emotions. like the crippling part yep. where people can't like continue with normal life yes yes, yes. all right fair enough yeah so we're on the same uh, yes team we here. are yeah yes. so again just uh, some level of anxiety is good for you right yeah but in its excessive forms it really becomes debilitating and mm-hmm. really hard for people to manage yeah um so uh and oftentimes uh when someone has anxiety, it's comorbid with something else too. Yeah. Right? So a lot of anxiety, depression, or all those different things um, are working together. Yeah, and I think that's what people forget, or me and not this clinical aspect right now is when you talk about anxiety with people I think they want it to be this like general box yes and it's not because it's a box that's attached to another box (laughs) or your box is different than the other person's box and so it's hard to find that common ground so I feel like people when they have anxiety or they find out they have anxiety there's this like judgmental piece on oh well someone else described it this way or someone else described it that way and that's not what I'm feeling so either I don't have this or they don't have this or like so I think anxiety is so broad on that spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. I think you're nailing that on the head too, is that anxiety is an umbrella, right? And then underneath that, I mean, it could be separation anxiety. It could yeah. be social anxiety. You know, I mean, there's so many different layers to it. So which one is yours? Which obviously you'd want to work with a professional to do that and to kind of dig up those pieces. But yes, not only that umbrella, but like you're saying, it's attached to other things. Yeah. So, <laughs> I have to say though, working with people who have anxiety is probably one of my favorite things to do. And why is that? <laughs> because it, I honestly, I you know, I get to watch them through the journey, right? So not only do I get to help, but they do the work and the outcomes of it. But I've just had such good outcomes with people who actually want to do the work. Um, and they just <laughs> are... Well, I feel like it's like this relief of like Mm -hmm. where they realize they have more control over what's going on and what an empowering feeling to watch someone have. Yeah, yeah, it really doesn't get any better than that. You know, um, I often tell people that when to to identify your anxiety as it's as a symptom. So I think people forget that too. Like your anxiety is a symptom of something, right? Mm -hmm. Not you are anxiety. So I think when people can start to shift that narrative a little bit, and I tell people to talk to themselves and say, all right, this is my anxiety talking, right? So, you know, we work on skills to do that, but I think that that when they kind of start to turn that dial a little bit, the dial a little bit, um, and recognize it, it just gets a little bit easier for them. So, like, this is, what is happening to me is a symptom, not I am anxiety. Yeah, I... And I feel like I wasn't, I don't know if I heard this from, could be you, could be from my past therapist, or could be from a quote that I found, but it was, my favorite thing to realize was, like, this thought is very annoying and it's best left alone. Like, just to give myself that grace of, like, recognizing it, but know that, like, shut the fuck up and then I can move on. Right. Yeah. Well, what we often do, because we haven't been taught the skills, right? Typically, I mean, it you haven't gone to a professional to teach you these skills um, right off the bat. So uh, we often feed the beast, right? Yeah. Or we feed the anxiety. Or when I'm working with clients, I'm like, all right, well, you just went down a rabbit hole, right? And so yeah. then you made the symptom bigger and bigger and bigger. So we have to un, uh, unravel all of those, but we start to learn or I start to teach them that we're putting a boundary, okay? Like right. if you need to feed that rabbit hole right now, okay, then set a timer for 15 minutes and just excessively worry, <laughs> yes. excessively sweat, um, ruminate, <laughs> ruminating's huge. Another yeah. big thing is like uh, creating scenarios in your head, right? Like, right, yes. <laughs> Um, obsessive, you know, and, you know, OCD is also, you know, under that umbrella yeah. of, of anxiety. So, But do you ever think that OCD can be, like, can be a diagnosis when really it's just this level of anxiety that hasn't been treated? <laughs> do you I, think that's a thing or do you think those are comorbid or? Yeah, I think they would be, I think they're together. I think it's all under the umbrella. Okay. And depending on the person, right, um, you'd have to unlayer those, but I would say they're hanging out together. Okay. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or what you're going to see. Uh, it's hard to say this is a completely one size fit all, but like you'll, we'll see like compulsions or rituals or different things because okay. your anxiety is oftentimes very out of control. You haven't learned how to handle it. So you're going to go, what can you control? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like in control, how many times I do this. And so here's my, what I was thinking. Cause I, then I went to youth right away and like what we miss with them yeah when we as adults or people who surround them as adults are just like this is just part of growing up right this is just part of getting a new job this is part of this but so what are we missing with youth but then also my thought was that 
like what pressures are we putting on youth where it is just them growing up mm-hmm. with anxiety like is there or can people get anxiety at 23 29 32 or is it something that we have from a young age so tell me more about that well i mean we could have a very long conversation about you know environmental and genetics yeah. right i mm-hmm. think that that is probably not the most exciting topic but yeah. uh, again going back to that kind of that definition is that we always have some level of anxiety so anxiety okay. isn't always yep. mm-hmm. bad right so it's sh- you should have some sort of level of anxiety right like when you're doing something wrong right? Yeah. So like that your moral and your compass is there, right? Yeah. Or you didn't study for a test, so now you're cramming. So you, again, that is good anxiety. But what I think happens, so you asked about the miss, what I think the miss really is, is that when it becomes that pervasive, remember, that intense and excessive Yes, behavior. okay. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, that does. Um, yeah. And so obviously, I mean, if I had my utopia, right, uh, every person would have a clinician right away, right? right? Just like you have a doctor and yeah. all of those. And not to say that we wouldn't miss things, but we wouldn't be so behind the game, yes. right? So some people, again, that's part of that other layer of like, I am anxiety, right? I've always okay, had yeah, this. Uh-huh. Um, and so again, that's that excessive, intense. Now, if you're feeling that that intense uh, five out of seven days, I mean, that's really high. Yeah. If it's every once in a while, that's a completely different sort of situation. Why don't we don't need to fucking talk about that fucking anxiety <laughs> little a survey that you get. But, like, how real is that in, Which, like, helping? The one that you get when you go to your normal doctors. Like, how many out of one to ten, blah, 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 and then they yeah. add up your number and, like, oh, yep, you got it. Yeah. Well, I mean... Like, what a subjective thing, but... True, but people, so, well, especially insurance companies, and people like to have concrete evidence, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you have those scales, right, and you're into assessments and those different types of things, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I know. Now, me as a clinician, I'm not like, ooh, what's this number? And, you know, more of, like, checking it off, making sure. And also sometimes, though, for us, as at least for me as clinicians, I shouldn't speak for everybody, is really, like... Huh, I kind of have a hunch, right? So maybe look at this assessment and maybe it'll help me just a little bit more. But I would have to say I don't look at that as, like, my standard. Yeah. But if that's what insurance company is requiring, if they need evidence, or if I need evidence to back up my diagnosis or those different types yeah. of things, I mean, I think assessments can be good as used as a tool but not the only thing used. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's the way I would look at okay. that piece. But I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a lot of standard protocol when you're going to places and yeah. having to take those types of things. Mm-hmm. But it can be beneficial as long as you're using it as like part of the treatment and not like the only piece. Yeah, and I think with people with anxiety, they forget when they go see either a clinician or um, their primary care physician mm-hmm. is that like if somebody does say like, hey, I think this could be a treatment using, let's say, medication, pharmaceuticals, right? Yeah. Like, have boundaries for yourself and yeah. like be assertive in the things that you try, but also have knowledge of when those, like how long it takes for that medication, everyone's different, right? For those things to start changing and then monitoring. But you can be like, nope, this doesn't feel right. Like, that's what you have to do. And I think maybe with people with anxiety, right? Mm-hmm whatever their anxiety is it potentially could be that they're not good at advocating for themselves in that way right but I think we forget that also with a mental health provider like you don't always have to do the pharmaceutical so there's other ways that you can definitely try things 
So research will show, right, that overall, if you need, which because not everybody needs the medication, but right, if there's a chemical piece kind of going on, right, if you need that and you can kind of tame that down and you're doing the psychotherapy, I mean, it can increase your outcomes, right? right. However, I fully believe that everybody gets to choose what they want to do with yes. their body. So even if I make a recommendation, it's really up to them. But oftentimes you'll see right they're doing the psycho well, I shouldn't say oftentimes sometimes uh, you'll see them doing the psychotherapy but really it's kind of that chemical piece right so we just need something that and I can't do anything about that yeah. because you've had this excessive persistent you know what I mean mm -hmm. so if you can just start out with something small while still doing this your outcomes potentially can be better or you just really have to focus on the psychotherapy and I mean really go at it but again that's kind of like for the clinician and the uh, patient to kind of work out and yeah. then I've seen it all ways because everybody's just so different but I've also seen people have faster outcomes as well right when like you can take off that edge a little bit so that's kind of that genetic piece right that I yeah. can't do anything about yeah. um, besides make this recommendation mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely helped but some people don't want it and then some people only want the medication which is their choice too and then they don't want the psychotherapy right and that's okay too so it's really you know I think people should advocate for themselves and yeah. take control of their body but also while working with people even within that narrative you make a choice that works best for yeah. you so, yeah absolutely yeah. what would you say would be your like um number one thing that people feel they get the most anxiety from like is it them personal lives is it like this communal situation is it a multiple things of both or is it like a variety? Maybe that's too vague and wide I mean, of a I, question. I feel your question, it's definitely a variety. So everybody's yeah. treatment, although we're, is a little bit different. Like anxiety is sort of the topic, right? Um, but, and I also think it depends on what stage of life you're into. True. So I think that that's kind of a big one, right? Like yeah. what transitions are you kind of going Like at 24, to? you're like, fuck. <laughs> I can't drink enough beer in one day or give me my wine night with my girls and I'm on Tinder and Bumble or whatever else these kids have these days, right? Like that anxiety or like am I going anywhere even at 24 because I feel like we have all these preconceived notions of where yeah. people should be and we get attached to those, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so to narrow your question down, I would say where are you at in life? Where, you know, what is important to you? And then focusing on what are your symptoms? you know yeah. and then really digging into how long have you had these symptoms right okay yeah. um what triggered those symptoms right and so to kind of get into you know the types of anxiety right mm -hmm. um so obviously uh the main uh one uh is generalized anxiety disorder right okay you know that one you would give us a little definition here <laughs> Well, this would be a general <laughs> feeling of anxiety, um, multiple, so that excessive worry multiple times a day, right? Okay. So I would probably say, um, I would die if you were, if it's feeling that at least four or five times. On that fucking survey, yeah, you're well, marking me down. No, just kidding. Four or five times out of the week, right? Okay. And that, like, remember, it's these intense emotions. It's not... You know, because I can feel some level of anxiety every day, right? But am I able to move on from it? Or yeah. is it deterring me from doing something? So an overarching general one. Um, then we've got uh, OCD. Um, 
which is intrusive thoughts, uh, worrying about staying clean or one bo one's body, uh, compulsive behavior or repeated. Um, and I mean, this of. one gets <laughs> chastised, I think, and like becomes the joke like, oh, I have OCD, yeah. you know, and I think then people get skewed about what that is. And mm -hmm. so um, I don't know, I sometimes I have a special place in my heart for mm -hmm. OCD because I think we do like, oh, you don't like germs and so you like your house clean. Like, that's different. Yeah. It's if you're having a symptom that needs you to like yeah. clean your house. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think we forget that. Yep. This is definitely not one of my specialties. Yeah. Um, I've known um, other people. I've had supervisors who were really, really good with this. I've done a training on it, but um, very interesting. Um, and so it's not one that I deal with all the time, but I do see it as an off branch okay. of um, things that I would deal more with. All right. So yeah, yeah absolutely though. Um, but yeah, I think this gets thrown, I think a lot of diagnoses yes. <laughs> just get thrown around, right? Yeah. Um, you can Google a lot of things and <laughs> yeah. sometimes they're telling me what they're diagnosed diagnosis is and so you know um that that's okay too i guess hey and sometimes we're not wrong but sometimes we fuck it up when we're googling <laughs> yeah i mean um so. the amount of hours that we have to put in yes. to do diagnose like that's kind of where uh which are excessive but it, it's valuable and it's needed um and i i will listen obviously if that's what right. you think and so it's just let's kind of work through this together help me understand why you think this perfect not necessarily yes. like i have this oh okay well we just met so i'm not really sure yeah and, and it takes time you know like obviously insurance requires that we do certain things and we have a preliminary diagnosis yes blah 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 but that being said i mean it takes a while to get to know somebody before you can really actually fully have a better uh, conceptualization of it. I can only go off of what I think and what's being presented. Um, but so I think after working with somebody for at least two months, right? Yeah. That's when you really kind of start to peel those layers back. And then that's why your treatment plan is like reviewed after 90 days. And then you can look at it again and say, you know, maybe that wasn't the right preliminary one, right? Here's what yes. I've seen. Maybe you were right, right? Maybe your yes. Google search or Mayo Clinic, <laughs> I don't know, whatever you got to pick up uh, was actually yes. correct um, and be more, more than willing to discuss it with you. I think that that's kind of, as long as you're willing to be in the, yes. the ship with me, then that's cool too. But yeah. Otherwise, if it's, I have this. And that's a whole nother topic as well, <laughs> is multiple diagnosis and these different yeah. things. But I think that that is a good another episode <laughs> of that. But yes, I sure. think it starts with the Googling. Yes. So yeah. we have generalized, we have OCD, yeah, and, and then, then we have... Trauma and stress disorders, oftentimes, so like PTSD, um, are related to experiences of trauma, you know, uh, which is another topic that uh, we should talk about at a different time because yeah. that is just huge. Um, this is what I deal with a lot of. One of my specialties is trauma. Um, so, so yeah, it can be, you know, the trauma of a car accident, the trauma of losing a loved one. Um, it could be war. It could be sexual assault. It could be uh, abuse. You know, it's just all yeah. of these different layers, um, which thus then create a symptom of anxiety. Yes. Make sense? Yes, it does. Um, so then, obviously... Uh, so, social phobia okay. is another yes. big one, <laughs> which I think the truth with this one is we all, again, have some level of social anxiety, mm -hmm. right? Oh, absolutely. Remember, in that pervasive, 
intense form, it can be very, very debilitating. So yes. I've worked with a lot of people on this one, and let me tell you, if I could eliminate, well, I would eliminate middle school, and I would eliminate lunch tables. <laughs> Seriously, yes. the amount of DBT and CBT activities I have done around the lunch table is almost excessive. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's a very traumatic experience right. to walk into this huge lunchroom right and wait to be accepted or not know like what a or you can't sit with yeah different things like yes so um that one is big and i and i think as adults you know we'll carry these things over if we didn't process them yeah heal the child (laughs) right heal the inner child um so yeah that that's another one uh yeah uh, in my utopia of things right yeah Uh, that we would switch things out um, there's also panic disorder is another one, which again okay. can be um, a symptom of that. Uh, and then, yeah, I think those are the main ones that would be relevant. Oh, I forgot. Um, separation, uh, anxiety as well, right? Yes, um, back to the cats. <laughs> I went on vacation and I cried. Right. And significant, significant other was like, stop. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. <laughs> But was that taken out of DSM-5? I thought, thought, but but again, this is just on this, like, thing. Yeah. And then uh, they put agoraphobia as well as disorders of substance induced or as a result of other medical conditions. So those are just the other categories. Yeah, which then, (laughs) this is a good segue into coping with anxiety and different coping mechanisms that people use, which can be very unhealthy, right? And so let's talk about the unhealthy first and then we'll go into the healthy coping mechanisms for anxiety well right so what (laughs) triggered me to think about talking about this was the substance use so right i feel like that's probably the biggest one Mm -hmm. that maybe i encounter possibly you encounter um or anyone who works with people you know i think anywhere right like oh let we had a stressful day but that could be related to stress right or someone in an anxiety situation is drinking a bunch to go or we're popping some sort of medication or pills that's not prescribed to us or even marijuana sometimes used in excess like I know that's a whole probably another episode right to talk about the effects of that but yeah that's where I go right yep so negatively coping coping with substances obviously is probably a very big thing but also what I think people start to uncover when you work with your therapist is that You've created ways, like, so avoidance, right? Or excessive sleeping. I know, right? Okay, so she says that because I I nap, and so I'm taking my class coming up here is on addiction, which is a side note, but we have to give up something, and um, I excessively nap to avoid different things. Sure. And so that's what I'm going to try and give up. But yes, napping, I didn't even think about it until we brought up avoidance and coping mechanisms in another class. And I was like, wait a minute, this sleep that I'm doing. Excessive. You know, if you were a napper, you're just a napper by nature and it's just short, sweet, and to the point. But if you're doing it uh, to avoid something, right? So avoidance, I think, is a big one. I mean, we could get into the laundry list of defense mechanisms, which again could be a totally different episode. But people will create a way to survive, right? right? Like, that's just how it works. So sort of you get into 
be fight or flight. Yeah, right? that's like, true. All right, this I have this intense feeling, right? So what am I gonna do? So let's take the lunchroom for example, right? Yeah, this is a good. Yeah. It's a good example. Yeah. We all can relate, <laughs> whether we want to admit it or not. Yeah. Um, and. I know that my body, potentially, I could go into a panic, right? Yeah. Literally, your heart beating on your chest, you can do all these things. Um, So what am I going to do, right? Well, I might avoid the situation, right? I might fake a sickness, right? I might actually be sick to my stomach. Um, I might eat by myself in the bathroom, right? Yeah. I might ditch out on school because the, the feeling is so intense, I can't necessarily do that. Right. So not only just the... Negative, but I think you create these habits that then you think are just normal ways to kind of go about your day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Normal hat. You normalize this horrible habit. Right. Because so you kind yes. of have to be. If you're in fight or flight, you kind of have to be in denial a little bit that it's even real. But you may not even know because you've just been doing it for so long. Right. right? Yeah. Or like sometimes I think it's people's jobs, right? Stress. And yeah. then, <laughs> you know, you have these high levels of anxiety all day long, and then you come home, right? And the oh, and then you finally let it all down, and then that's maybe when, you know, maybe it started with a glass of wine, right? Right. Or those different types of mm-hmm. things. And then it's a, it could be a bottle of night, right? Yeah. And so it, then you've created this, right? Because you're, you're in this hyper-vigilant uh, mode when you're there, and you're having all of these things yeah. and then when you come home and let it out then you could have created this pattern right yes. and so it's kind of all right well maybe you're doing that but then how can we you know maybe maybe go for a walk instead right yeah or do something that would be healthy um and so that would just be a conversation how does have. someone dissect though their life or they're like oh, i'm looking for negative obviously most of us know <laughs> if something is super negative but i mean what it took me till 29 to figure out naps were negative right <laughs> like you know okay excessive yes naps. that's what you have to remind so if anybody out there starts looking to dissect their patterns right. during times of anxiety um and you want to decide if it's negative or positive yeah. we're we're highlighting the word excessive yeah all right so in a in a pervasive pattern because i think that that can get kind of confusing you know, like, oh, nap. well right but if it's excessive and you're avoiding and those aren't yeah things. but yes um and i think well, you're getting into the field, right? So I think yeah. as clinicians, we have to, if we're dissecting others, we have to dissect ourselves. Correct. And so yes. that's a whole other can of worms, right? right? Yeah. Don't <laughs> so, tell someone to do something unless you've done it. Right, unless you're yeah. willing to, to try that stuff yourself. Yeah. So I think, you know, we have to put that lens on us. Um, and, and, you know, other people, I often think of like smoking too. As yeah, a, you know, that's sure. one that people kind of use, which could be, uh, a negative coping, um, mm-hmm. caffeine, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think pe- a lot of people forget about caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, That <laughs> one will get you, too. I know, like your heart palpitations and yep. um, all that stuff. But, uh, again, if you if you do it every once in a while, that's okay. But if you're doing it in a more harmful, excessive manner to cope with something, um, then that is obviously negatively coping. Yeah, so let's talk about those positive coping sure so positive coping you know I really go back to the different levels of self-care okay and what are those (laughs) I mean it's broken down into many different categories but like your emotional needs your physical needs um, your psychological needs your spiritual needs um, I'm forgetting a few Um, physical emotional well would sexual be one of them? That's it's, 
physical. Physical, physical okay. Emotional, psychological, spiritual. Um, yeah, I'll look that shit up. But ultimately, when we do find this, like, mm -hmm. these are things that people can change. Or like you were talking about, they can substitute in for those patterns of excessive negative behavior. Yep. No, it's not going to fucking be easy. Yeah. So how more of healthy, obviously, each person is their own, right? So yes. uh, when we break down self-care in positive coping, we're going to look at it from a physical perspective, a psychological perspective, an emotional perspective, spiritual personal and professional okay right yep. so like mm -hmm. that's how you would start to kind of break those things down because the reality is is that most people within that self-care and healthy coping are pretty good in one area right mm -hmm. so um technically i'm probably pretty good in the professional area right so when i think of how i could uh cope in a healthier way in some categories or whatever maybe i would want to do more physical activity right okay yeah um, so you want it, it it doesn't just have to be this broad you know, i think people go like self-care you know um and they'll focus on some pieces but we kind of want to break it down and figure out what's going to work best for you because maybe a walk isn't going to work for you right right um and maybe you're in need of more emotional right um so how can you start filling your cup from that emotional piece so are you so we're going to use the word cup just as this analogy but so yep. you have these cups they have these labels and so you're you're dissecting which ones you're efficient i'll use that word or yep. you feel confident in and yep. then are you using those to help fill the other ones, or are you just going to focus on the one that's maybe less that you could fill on in? I would work with somebody on, on, on filling them all, Okay, right? Yeah, because, like, but are you going to take from that one cup that's fuller mm -hmm. and say professionally you're doing well, right, but emotionally you're not. Obviously there are emotions and work, but mm -hmm. so are you going to like take from that strength to help fill that one, yeah. or are you just going to focus Absolutely. on all emotion? Okay. Yeah. So um, I do a unit on this too. So we really dissect all of them and look at air because you are no matter what if you have anxiety you are you're still surviving right right you are doing some things right again it's not the worst beast in the world we just have to learn how to manage it yeah you know or embrace it and then figure out so there are areas of your life you're doing well in, and from my perspective i always want to help people highlight that because uh, you're an intelligent individual right? right you're how old let's let's go with what's working let's find these other areas and then let's put them together yeah so that you can be a well-rounded you know okay. personal uh, so if that answers yeah, your that question. Yeah, that does. Yep. Um, a thing, though, that I really kind of wanted to hit on that I think we often forget the most is the physical pieces of anxiety, okay? okay. I think people recognize potentially the behavioral piece, right? Mm -hmm. um, the psychological piece, but then it's that physical piece. It, at almost every single person I ask in session, well, how does it make you feel? Yeah. Are, like, blown. They're like, what? What do you mean? Right? Like, yeah. because it's become part of just their probably every day. Yeah. So whether it is, you know, tightness in your chest, right? Sometimes it's like an elephant sitting on your chest. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Your heart palpitating, all of those different things. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, churning in your stomach, right? That's, yeah. Those two are common. Um, head going, you know, completely blank, right? Legs shaking, knees shaking, um, flushing, uh, shortness of breath, dizziness, headaches, dry mouth, uh, diarrhea, right? Oh, right. IBS, oh, all yeah. those other things. Um, muscle aches, uh, restlessness, and then uh, the inability to relax, right? right? And so each person, it's like when you lay your head down, what happens, right? Or I can fall asleep, but then I wake up and your heart is, you yeah. know? Um, so <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But, but yeah, people probably don't can't articulate this well yeah. because it becomes your every day and yeah. like oh shit my back hurts or yeah. 
oh, I can't do this anymore. Like, no, I don't want to go there because I'm not sure where the bathroom's going to be located. When right. really that's like there's this underlying mm-hmm. yep. reason. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so it takes people, uh, it, it shocks me still that this is kind of the first time that people potentially have been asked that question. But yeah. I mean, overall it makes sense. But again, if people can take away anything from today, it's like if you have this excessively and intensely, what are your physical symptoms? Yeah. Um, so I think that's But so then when you recognize them, what's the plan and the goal or the intention is for you to understand that like this symptom physically that I'm feeling mm-hmm. is a side effect of me having this excessive thought of something that I realistically can't control mm-hmm. or is annoying or sure. And again, so each person that. is a little bit different, but once we recognize all of that, you know what I mean? Then we hone in on what are the triggers, right? Right. And then we want to use obviously ev- evidence-based um, uh-huh. IQ, CBT, and DBT. So how can we figure this out? Um, and we find coping skills that are going to work for you. So sometimes, right? What's going to work for me is not going to work for you. But so we have to figure this out, right? Mm-hmm. And although it takes work it, it, it's positive work right yes. um and so we customize the treatment to kind of do that but it, again once you're able to figure out what works for you right because mindfulness isn't going to work for everybody no okay? yeah but we gotta try it yeah. right so i tell everybody even if you've tried things in the past let's just put that okay but we might need to try it again because maybe you're at a different place in life right okay um, and so another thing just besides the physical is that when people um often with anxiety have like these irrational right or negative thoughts that often happen with them too so learning how to recognize those right and yeah. not feed the anxiety and then we kind of switch those switch uh you know i always say let's flip the script right yeah um and move from um an irrational to a rational thought so some sessions right. we'll just write down all the irrational thoughts right yeah and then we flip the script in that okay so you always want to start with like the kind of psychoeducation learning about the levels avoidance higher you know all those different things and then um having them work through um trying out different techniques that work for them the uh, thought record works really well um, okay tell us a little bit about the thought record (laughs) um so this one so the automatic thought record is you write down the situation then you write down what your negative thought is then you write down the emotion right and kind of the level or the intensity of the emotion then we challenge it um, and then you put in your new balanced thought and then what that emotion is. Okay, And so yeah. this one, it, it's often really interesting to, to learn about people's logs, though, too, because you can start to see patterns. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, on Tuesday, holy mackerel. At this time, <laughs> every week, yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah, so I tell people that, like, it, keeping a journal, keeping a log is a really cool way to communicate with me when you're outside of here, okay? And then we can see patterns that we might not be able to see. Um, and so, like, oh, God. So what do we have to do, right? What piece of positive coping, self-care do we need to do before Tuesday at 3 p.m., yeah. right? If that's what we're kind of seeing because we've seen a pattern of this for, like, six days in a row. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of what we, we work with um, and uncover what the triggers are um, and kind of process through some of those. So Yeah. yeah. So I, that's, you know, I don't know, someone who has a trigger and maybe they've recognized it or haven't recognized it, right? Mm-hmm. They can really just, right, it's taking a look at yourself and your yep. environment. Yep. And being honest. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it does get better, right? Yeah. And it is manageable. It's a symptom that you can manage. You just have to work through it. Right. And be aware Mm -hmm. and willing, obviously. This is my anxiety talking, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily you. It's a part. It's a piece, right? Right. But uh, you can definitely work through it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I don't, and anxiety, you got anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. I think we kind of hit uh, the nail on the head yeah. with most of it, got the, the bulk of it through. So, yeah. I'd be interested to learn if other people want Yeah, more give us feedback on it too, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you have this, or hey, you didn't mention that. Obviously, we can't mention everything, but right. I, you know, someone put out some sort of sleep defense mechanism out there <laughs> months ago or years ago. We so. might have. We might have a different life today, but yeah, hey. Absolutely. So hopefully this was informative. And hope that you learned a few things. The importance of mental health issues continues to grow, and we hope we shed some light on topics that are important to you, while, of course, fucking some shit up. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, let us know what topics you want to learn more about, uh, and you can email us at teatimewiththepsychos at gmail.com. Thank Thanks. you.